Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing Devil's Daughter by Lisa Kleypas. This was published in 2019 and is the fifth book in the Ravenel series. And as you know, we are just binging the Ravenels because we can't wait to get to Devil in Disguise, which is coming out in July. We're so close. So close. Almost there. So the jacket. Although beautiful young widow Phoebe, Lady Claire, has never met West Ravenel, she knows one thing for certain. He's a mean, rotten bully. Back in boarding school, he made her late husband's life a misery, and she'll never forgive him for it. But when Phoebe attends a family wedding, she encounters a dashing and impossibly charming stranger who sends a fire and ice jolt of attraction through her. And then he introduces himself as none other than West Ravenel. West is a man with a tarnished past. No apologies, no excuses. However, from the moment he meets Phoebe, West is consumed by irresistible desire, not to mention the bitter awareness that a woman like her is far out of his reach. What West doesn't bargain on is that Phoebe is no straight-laced aristocratic lady. She's the daughter of a strong-willed wallflower who long ago eloped with Sebastian Lord St. Vincent, the most devilishly wicked rake in England. Before long, Phoebe sets out to seduce the man who has awakened her fiery nature and shown her unimaginable pleasure. Will their overwhelming passion be enough to overcome the obstacles of the past? Only the devil's daughter knows. <laughs> what is up with the random summary of Devil in Winter thrown into the middle of this jacket? They can't let you forget that the devil they're talking about is Sebastian Lord St. Vincent. Not Gabriel Lord St. Vincent, but Sebastian Lord St. Vincent. It's fine. It's fine. I, I think, honestly, this, um, other than the weird devil in winter thing, it's accurate, but it only summarizes the parts I didn't like. And there's a yeah. lot I did like. Well, and then West's thing, no apologies, no excuses. Well, he doesn't have any excuses, but he does apologize. Yeah. Which is a good thing, because if he didn't apologize, I would not have been into West. And I was pretty into West. I liked West a lot. Mm -hmm. I think, okay, this is a huge compliment to this book. We talk all the time about how we don't really like bad boys and reformed rakes. And if you're going to reform a way, rake, West is the way to do it. Yeah. Don't actually make me watch his womanizing douchey ways and give me a sincere apology and a reformation that I believe and believe will stick. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. 100% agreed. So as usual, we generated a random number and then wrote summaries based on that number. And for this episode, the number was six. Uh, I will go first. Here's my here's my six word summary. Rough housing and bullying? Normal for real men. Yeah, so that is like the moral of the story and it could be better. Yeah, I I had some issues with how masculinity is presented in this book. I can see that. Um, I still loved West a lot, though, and I really liked Phoebe a lot, too, actually. 
So my six word summary, aphrodisiacs, muscles, bookkeeping, good with kids. That would get me for sure. I don't really need the last part. <laughs> it works for widows though, right? But she was real into him playing with her sons. <laughs> Look, I, I think, I think that for a single parent, that's like very high on the list, you know? Yes. We do have a Gentleman Jackson's Get Fit workout. This week it's for the reformed rake, as Lane said. And basically just do a lot of farm work. Right. Read what you wrote. I wrote farm work all day, air day. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Usually I'd be like, that is stupid. It makes sense here. Like, yeah. cause usually aristocrat who does farm work means he like rides around the land on his horse. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, no, thank you. That would not work. But like West it's explained in detail how much work he does and how he insists on laboring in the fields for real often enough that I buy he lost all of the drinking weight and well, I then mean, some. That's, that's actually a big part of the workout that I didn't put in, which is number one, stop drinking. And yeah. then number two, do farm work and sweat out all the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was kind of into this workout lane. I liked the results. <laughs> I'm not going to lie when he's like, no, it's really important to invest in good farm equipment. Do you know how hard threshing is? Because I've done it. And it's hard. And I'm like, ooh, tell me more about threshing. <laughs> yes. I was I was really into it. Uh, so what is the major trope here? For me, it's pining hero. I mean, I think hypothetically it's supposed to be enemies to lovers. Uh, yeah. If this but- is one of the enemies to lovers where one of the members of the Enemies to lovers couple has never been enemies with the other. Right. Um, And the dislike does not last very long. No. But I think that's what Clapis, that's the trope Clapis was trying to work off of, which is, I think, why so much of the first couple of chapters really emphasized the bullying. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't need it because I think it was there to set this conflict up that was never going to be really legitimate between adults. Right. And I think it's also what set up the narrative on masculinity that you were so not into. I was really not into it. Yeah. But then the other trope is he's a pining hero slash he's not good enough for her. Yeah. Right. And she doesn't like him on principle of what she's heard about him in the past. And she's also a widow who is now unofficially betrothed to her husband's relative, which we have seen 50% of widows. Many. uh, Well, the ones who aren't virgins. (laughs) (laughs) But I think also it was like a deathbed wish Mm -hmm. from her husband. Yes. Which, okay. I did not think he was very smart. Her, the, which one? Her dead husband? Yeah. That that was part of what was frustrating to me, actually. Uh, okay. 
There is estate finance drama. It's not quite will drama because like his will is clear. Right. But for her sorting through what's left behind after he dies is a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. This trope makes me laugh out loud every time it happens. Um, so as you know, most romance novel heroes are very well endowed. Mm-hmm. And it's often mentioned in passing that he's like the biggest she's ever had or whatever. But right. every once in a while, it gets taken to an extreme. And he's like so huge. The sex scenes are actually sort of about everything they have to do to make her body physically accommodate him. <laughs> and I don't know why I find it so hilarious. Like, I think it's because it's not really all that sexy. I mean, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yet it's written in this way that like, yes, it's so hot that she's sort of in pain. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then anyway, we could get into a lot of things. Get in a lot of, could get into a lot of things. And this is, again, this plays into the whole masculinity shit. Yeah. Is getting on my nerves. So it was also, it was funny, but also like, oh my God, like she's been married before and she has two kids. And yet, West is has the most giant penis. I, in my head, inappropriately, was thinking elephant dick. <laughs> ah. Okay, the rest of these tropes apparently are all sex tropes. This is what Lane wrote. There's library sex. There is. And there's sex that is initiated without anyone speaking. Yes. Yes. The- Through the entire scene. Both of those two things work for me. So, one, his elephant dick did not work for me. But the other two did. Yeah, agreed. Okay. In general, I do think this is an enjoyable book. Okay, I like West, I like Phoebe, and I buy their dynamic together. Yeah. In, like, the moments where they're getting along and they're laughing and what attracts them, like, fundamentally the things that we both value the most in a romance novel work here unquestionably. For me, what doesn't work, almost everything works. For me, there's this implicit criticism of men who don't fit the masculine model Mm -hmm. that really bugged me. So I like reading about widows who were in love with their husbands. Mm -hmm. I actually like reading about people who had successful or happy relationships in their past. Yep. And this new love is not going to take the place of that, but they're learning, oh, well, I can love after tragedy. I can love again. Mm -hmm. So I like that. I thought that it was pretty well done for the most part. Like, I do think that Phoebe had true feelings for Henry. And for the most part, their relationship was really nice. That said, Sebastian has all these comments about their relationship, which just pissed me off so much um and that because he's like she needs a real man a man like west strong man man who can stand up to her and i'm like oh my god he doesn't come out and say it but he's like a man who can tame her you know yeah and i read it too to compare it to the modern day like she and henry were childhood sweethearts and by virtue of his ailments they were sequestered through right. a lot of their relationships and in, ice and in isolation. And I don't necessarily think that was 
Phoebe's ideal life. Like she thought it was because she was in love with him, but it's to compare it to modern day. Like it sort of felt like high school sweethearts. Yeah. In a small town in the like 1950s when the woman never was going to have a chance to get out versus like someone in the modern day where a woman could go to college and realize there's more. And like, I get that. I agree with you that like the fact that she and Henry did have a sincere love was important and, and Sebastian did belittle it. And I did think the commentary on masculinity was problematic, but I think when I was reading it at the time and granted, this is the first time I read it, I was reading it more as her family commenting on how small her world was because of him. Yeah. And they were the open-minded modernists who were excited for her to be with somebody who actually enabled her to spread her wings a little. Yeah. That is not how I read it. I I, I see your side completely. I'm not saying like, I, I think would I would much, not, I'd read it your way if I read it a second time. I would much prefer it if that's how I read it. Because reading mm-hmm. it that way, I think I could, I would like it. But like there are parts where Sebastian is like, the only reason I let her marry him. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> For someone who's like, oh, you're, she's so open-minded and this man is going to let her spread her wings. You're going to let your daughter marry someone else? I'm like, come on. Yeah. Anyway. I really like that Wes reformed before he met her. It was not because of their relationship that he's like, I have to be a better man. Uh, And I also like that he figured out that he was a childhood buddy, that he was a childhood bully and apologized for that. And she never calls him on it ever. And he just kind of figures it out. He's like, oh, that Henry, that kid that I was a total asshole to when I was in boarding school. Yeah, I really liked that his reformation had already taken place. Mm-hmm. And I think I liked it all the more because we never saw him at his worst. Like, we saw his reformation in the previous books, but by the time he's introduced, his brother's inherited and he's starting to get his shit together. Right. So I liked that we saw the reformation, but not from his lowest moment. Yeah. So, I was really annoyed by, oh, I did not like the way the wallflowers were used in this book. Like, let's just put mm-hmm. that out there. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Sebastian's never going to be my favorite. But it just felt so shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. Like, Phoebe is thinking of Sebastian as Sebastian. Not as the Duke, not as Kingston or whatever his new title is that isn't St. Vincent. But, like, if it's in dialogue, she'll say dad. Mm-hmm. But if it's in the narrative description part, Sebastian cannot be written as father or grandfather. <laughs> Characters can call him that. But if he's being narrated about, it must be Sebastian or Kingston. And it's like, that is so awkward. And it was so noticeable. And it just made me really uncomfortable because I was like, why doesn't Clapis feel comfortable, like, writing him as a, as a dad in a romance novel? Yeah, he had to. He had to have a sex scene. He did. He did. I'm just so over them. I'm so over the wallflowers. I need them to stop showing up. Okay, so I know I kind of just bitched about how Sebastian annoyed me mm-hmm. by saying I only let her marry Henry because blah blah blah. I will say, although I didn't love all of his lines or the fact that he is in. He's in a lot of this book. I did like him playing the role of the meddling mama, the matchmaking mama. I kind of enjoyed that part. 
Yeah, I liked it being him and not Evie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Evie was like, look, you know, you just let Phoebe be. He, she's even like, it seems like you're kind of like manipulating people. He's like, I'm not manipulating. I'm parenting. Yep. Which I understand the, I understand the allure, Sebastian. I understand what you're, what, why you're trying to do this. <laughs> but Evie's right. You should not do that. Correct. Especially the insulting parts. Well, yeah, exactly. Do you think West is kind of a unique hero? I didn't until I saw you wrote this, but now I I think, yeah, I don't know. I do think he's a tortured rogue, though. I think he tracks most closely with Leo Hathaway. Yes, unquestionably. And not just because their redemption arcs take place before their books and their books are later in the series. Like, there's a lot of, like, structural similarities to their novels. Um. But I think you're right in terms of their character arcs individually, too. Reform Drake, who reforms before he meets the girl. Yes. I, so I think that's Owen. But I think what makes him unique is I'm thinking less of his character arc and his character. Because, yeah, he's definitely a tortured, tortured rogue, you know. But he's not, he's not like a lower class bazillionaire self-made man. Right. And he's not an unexpected inheritor, you know, unexpected heir of a title. And he's not like the most hardworking aristocrat around who has the oldest title in the world. Right. (laughs) So uh, anyway, I, he's interesting. I mean, I think realistically second sons who don't inherit and never inherit. And you know, they won't because the title holder was a previous romance novel hero with tons of children already. Right. Our typical romance fodder in general. Yes. I mean, of course, Phoebe is the perfect match for him because she does have an heir, right? So she, there's already a Lord Clare, her son. Yeah. Um, what was her son's name? Henry? No, Henry's her husband. Her son oh. Jason? Jason and Samuel? Stephen. Stephen was the second son, but I'm not sure if Jason is actually the first. Jason sounds right. I care so much about the kids in romance novels. We are probably wrong, but we're just going to call him Jason, okay? Justin. Justin. His name is Justin. You're right. You're totally right. Because it's not, it made me think of Justin Lefebvre from that (laughs) other book. Okay. So Justin is Lord Clare, Justin Lord Clare, Phoebe's son. He is going to inherit someday. Um, but there's no one right now to manage the estate. So it's kind of perfect that West would marry her because now she's got an estate manager. Yep. <laughs> uh, and if he has a son, he won't inherit, but that's okay. He would still be the second son anyway. But I don't know. I like giving it. him property. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so his, the, any sons he has with Phoebe can inherit the land and the money. Yeah. So, so I thought, I mean, I really liked Wes a lot. He, he's the witty, he's the witty reformed rake. Who hates himself a lot. Who hates himself a lot. I I mean, you, you guys know, we really like Leo too. So what can I say? I, Wes was kind of a great hero. I liked him a lot. 
So Phoebe is could have been pretty boring. Like widow who's still in her weeds, who's decided to hate the hero on principle because of childhood incidences, which I thought was very stupid on the record. Um, but she is a really interesting character. I agree. I, thought, I enjoy reading her perspective, even though I don't feel like there was a ton that was unique about her. Mm-hmm. She wasn't like a take charge badass. She wasn't like the type of heroine I usually gravitate toward. She was happy being a mom. Mm-hmm. She was learning from other people that she needed to be more assertive and take more interest in things, but she was open to it. And even her early opinions on various things, she was very willing to change. Like I yeah. thought she was a really interesting character. Yeah. I, I like that about Phoebe a lot is that she could have been very boring. She could have been a Kathleen character, right? Where the biggest really, insult you can give a Kelly's heroine. No, she basically, her only role is to naysay everything the hero says. Right. But that's not at all what she does. Like, she doesn't want to like West. And I think Clavis does a really good job of showing her liking him despite herself. Yep. So regardless of the reasons, we can agree that they were stupid or not. You know, I, I personally didn't find them super stupid. Just be, I found them relatively plausible because her husband died and it, it, it was just these memories of her husband. And she got over it pretty quickly, too. She was like, okay, maybe this is kind of a silly reason to dislike someone. Uh, But anyway, she's determined to dislike him. As she gets to know him, she's like, okay, he actually probably is kind of smart and has some good ideas. And I can't define him. Something he did when he was 11 years old. I can't define him from something that he did in the past as a child before he before reaching the age of reason, you know. And. I, I think Clavis did a really good job of showing that evolution, and I liked it a lot. That said, she she evolves from hating him to hooking up with him on the library floor in the span of about five days. I was really fine with that. <laughs> I I am a romance novel reader, so on the one hand, I was fine with it. On the other hand, I would have liked it to have evolved over the course of a few months. But it didn't work that way. Um, them deciding to be together long term took time. Time where they're apart and they didn't even communicate. Yep. Basically, yeah. the whole time that they're apart is for the span of Hello Stranger. Yeah. Which I think is a weird choice, but. It's fine. Um, Phoebe is the one who finally decides they are going to hook up and be together in spite of him trying to prevent it. And her and her maid conniving to make that happen was hilarious and perfect. Um, I loved it. Also, she shaves him and she convinces him. So he doesn't like getting shaved for, I don't even know why, reasons. I don't even think they were like special reasons, right? Um, and she convinces him by telling him that she feels like tingly when she hears the sound of shaving, like the straight yeah. razor shaving off whiskers. 
And I was like, okay, is this like Victorian ASMR? <laughs> I thought it was weird. But yeah, I guess. I mean, for some people. Are you are you like into ASMR stuff? No, I hate it. Okay. I I'm gonna be honest, I've never like felt the urge to even like is it like sexual? It's not sexual, right? I think it can be, but not oh I mean it's like anything else. It can be, but it not can always. Be, right. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was kind of weird, but also funny. I yeah, I thought it was strange to focus on the sound. Yeah. Rather than like the intimacy of it or like her feeling like this is a weird skill for a woman to have and she's proud of it or like to focus on that. I just really like the sound of a blade against your skin sort of has a strange connotation. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I can't, it's a unique sound. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I have never like hung around the bathroom trying to overhear my husband shave. That'd be strange. It would be really weird. I'm glad to hear you haven't done that. Never. Not, not even once. Okay. Should we talk about things we were annoyed by in the novel? Yeah. Other than the ones we've already talked about. (laughs) (laughs) I was annoyed. So they, they get getting along so well. And then Wes decides that he's not good enough for her and he's going to leave her. And which I don't love, but I could have accepted as a conflict, except that he doesn't even tell her. He's just like, peace out. Yeah. See you never. And Cleopas tries to do that. They've agreed never to actually want each other thing as some sort of cover, but it doesn't work at all. Mm -mm. I was annoyed by that. I was also annoyed by it because Wes self-loathing is sort of ill-defined. Mm-hmm. And yes. then even other characters call him out on it. It's like, what's the worst thing you've ever done? And he's like, hooked up with a married lady? <laughs> like, okay. It's like, what are you going to do when you go to a party and I hooked up with the hostess five years ago? Well, and there's also this element of like, I guess this is a romance novel and all the heroes that are on the page, like, their brothers who have been heroes in previous books or cousins or whatever are like these paragons of virtue at this point. But like anyone with any knowledge of actual aristocracy and like how gross the majority of aristocrats were like, dude, the fact that you as a second son occasionally hooked up with married people back in the day, like ain't gonna cut it. Guys, we have talked a lot of shit about the sisters, but they never, not a single one of those men ever had a hang up about having hooked up with a married woman in his past <laughs> and making him unworthy of marriage and like having children who must own his deeds or whatever exactly it was it did not make sense to me like he needed to do something actually worthy of being afraid of his own reputation yeah and, i and get it like she's trying to walk the line of like not wanting to make him too bad so that he's irredeemable, but wanting to make it understandable. And I think he could have been like a little bit worse. Well, either he could have been worse or his self-esteem could have been worse. Yeah. Oh, good point. Because he's, 
okay, I can believe a hero who's like, oh my God, I'm just not good enough for her. She's the most amazing woman in the world. Like we all kind of love that in a romance novel, right? Yeah. But he has to have some issues with, he has to be like, why does she even want to be with me? Right? Because he knows. He's like, she wants to marry me. Yeah. And he doesn't think to himself, why would she want to marry me? He's just like, she can't marry me because I'll drag her down. I, I feel like there had to be a little bit more, a little bit more self-loathing. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. But um, I, I don't know how much I have to go into it. I just don't love Sebastian. I don't know. His whole thing, I only let Phoebe marry Henry even though he was going to die because Henry had one passion and that was Phoebe. And I was like, they were both adults. They could make the decision. They both knew he was going to die. Like, you had no say in her relationship, Sebastian. Anyway. It was just not a good look. No, it's a very bad look on you, Sebastian. Uh, not a good look. Also, um, I thought the ending was a little out of nowhere. It's, um, it's very ending of Change Me at Twilight. It also is, like, meant to be a callback to Devil in Winter. They get everybody back to the club. There's a random gun. I just, I could have done without all of that. Well, we had to introduce Tom Severin somehow before chasing Cassandra. Yeah, or he's already been introduced in all the other books and you really didn't need to. Yeah. Um, and instead, you could have just not had that happen. It added yeah. literally nothing. I didn't love it. Yeah. Agreed. I, I forgot. So I wrote, didn't love the random high shakes, almost shooting at the end in our notes. And until I read that phrase back to myself, I forgot that happened. Mm -hmm. So it's like not a very significant part of the book. Mm -mm. It, it was just very weird. It's, it's odd. Yeah. There are, come to think of it, it's, I feel like it's this byproduct of reading these books back to back to back to back to back. Now I'm like, oh my God, Cleopas has a lot of random shootings in the end of her books. <laughs> now yeah. I can think of, I can think of like four, five, four or five off the top of my head now. Too many. That's, yeah, too many. So any content or trigger warnings? So there's a, if you are a widow, you probably don't want to read this book. You might want to, I don't know. There's a lot of grief and love after grief. So just yeah. a content warning, I guess. Be aware of that going in. As we mentioned, um, West is, had a drinking problem and detoxed to when he got healthy and cleaned his life up or whatever. But it's not clear that he ever viewed himself as having a drinking problem. Like, he still drinks wine at dinner. And then there's a scene where something goes wrong in this book, and he randomly just gets, like, week-long blackout wasted. Yep. Just wasn't the best handling of alcohol use. And I'm not yep. quite sure what Clapus was trying to say about him specifically. Yep. Yep. It was... It, like, on the one hand from a contemporary or from a modern view, from our view on it, we're like, that's not great. On the other hand, it is like a very Victorian view of it. So 
I don't want to be like, it's historically accurate, but I do think it adds a little bit. I don't think it adds a little bit. I think it's part of the historical aspect oh, that she's trying I, to play up. Not quite. I'm not criticizing it so much as saying content warning. Like yep. an alcohol is, a character is struggling with alcohol and the portrayal isn't, I, I think, super helpful. Yeah. Um, so yeah. there's a background character, um, and it's, it's sort of flippantly mentioned that he like impregnated this girl and basically ruined her and is refusing to marry her. And it's, it's very background. And like the main characters obviously are taking this woman's side, even though they don't know her. And it's a very background subplot, but it's still, uncomfortable the way it's discussed in a couple of scenes and like I think really emphasizes what a woman's value would have been back then in a way you don't often see in romance novels because usually if somebody's knocked up it's the heroine and obviously the hero's gonna do right by her mm-hmm. just a flag yeah and she's uh, underage when she gets pregnant also yeah. so that's also fun um and then I will mention it here because I I don't think it's necessarily like content warning, but I do find it reductive and offensive. Um, and it's the the handling of masculinity. So I, we've talked about this already a little bit, but what exactly do what it, what exactly do I mean? So basically, Henry, who is Phoebe's deceased husband, was bullied at school, and Phoebe finds this you know, really heartbreaking and really terrible, which it is. Bullying is awful and being bullied is not easy at all. But throughout the book, Clapis kind of tries to show you subtly that maybe Henry's like kind of a little oversensitive. Like Phoebe's brother, Evo or Ivo, I don't know how you pronounce it actually. Evo, let's say is teasing someone else she's like what she was like why would you say something mean like that and he's like well that's just what men do that's just what boys do we just are mean to each other right which right. on the one hand yes but that doesn't mean that you also can't take it too far boys will be boys is not an excuse for anything but it feels like she's kind of playing it up like well henry just didn't know how to be a man yeah because he was an invalid and he was too sheltered and then she contrasts it with West, who obviously was not bullied because he was the bully. And although he tries to play it off by saying, well, not play it off. I'm very sorry. He doesn't try to play it off by, by doing anything. But he says part of the reason I bullied Henry was so that I wouldn't be bullied myself. So he had to show himself the aggressor. But instead right. of exploring that, I think it sort of just gets kind of passed over a little bit because West is a masculine man. Well, and I also think Clapis in particular, but a lot of romance novelists writing about this era in particular, like we all know the aristocracy is dying at this point, right? That there's a shortage of funds. It's the era where American women are being er married in to infuse fortunes. And then the whole thing's going to come crumbling down around World War One. Mm -hmm. And I think Clapis specifically, though a lot of other romance novelists do this, try to show her heroes as like 
prepared for the mm-hmm. changing times ahead. Absolutely. They will be the families that survive it. And so one of the ways she does that is talking about basically how West is the aristocrat of the future, or even though he's not an aristocrat, he's the Westcliff mold. He's mm-hmm. all of Platypus's heroes from the water, the Wallflowers and the Ravenel series, interested in industry, willing to look at new investment techniques, caring for the tenant farmers to keep them around as long as they can, but also investing in technology and secondary pursuits, not being embarrassed about money, like not self-made, obviously, but industrious. Yes. And Henry is very specifically not that. He's not interested in money. He lets bad things happen. He's ignored his tenants. His family's ignored them for generations and they view it as acceptable. And so it's not just an extension, like the stuff that insulted his masculinity was also there, but it was also this Henry and his family, his cousin specifically by extension, were the soft aristocrats who were about to get eaten by the times and West is the man who can survive this. Yep. He, so I think he, he, he already everything. dragged, yeah, he already dragged the Ravenel estate out of the muck. Now he's going to drag the Claire estate out of the muck. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's the sentiment of that Sebastian has for his daughter of you need the man who's going to like, be your problem solver and your partner and tame you unseated, but implicitly gross um, versus this family with Henry as the person you've already married from it, who sits back, rests on their laurels and time will eat up. And the fact that she's like combined that moral of the changing mm-hmm. times with a non-traditionally masculine dude someone into poetry and who wants to keep his head in the clouds. Like all of it was wrapped up in the negative mm-hmm. when a little more subtlety and nuance would have been really useful. Well, even if it had just been like, well, Henry was trying, he knew the estate was faltering and he had been trying to improve it. Just like small, very small things like that. Well, and I think what finally did me in with Henry where I was like, okay, he's just the villain at this point is when they felt the need to be like, yeah, when this person knocked up this child and got her pregnant and abandoned her, he was totally chill with it. Yeah, I choose to to say that that came from an unreliable narrator just because I choose to. <laughs> I'm not saying that's um, <laughs> supported by the text, but I am choosing to say that Henry wouldn't do that. I think that is probably more true to Henry's character. Yeah, right. But I, I think she was trying to, like, wrap up a lot of things in Henry's character, which I think made him a lot more unlikable than Kleypas intended. Yeah. And then, by extension, made this seeming commentary on what a real man is. Right. So, how sexy was this book, Lane? Oh, my God. I <laughs> mean, honestly, if you'd just taken out the scenes where they were, like, lubing her up like a car part <laughs> I would have been real into this <laughs> this book is really like really sexy yeah. really sexy um so they hook up in the library yeah I just I want to mention this because we have talked about Clavis before about how she can be she can verge on the non-consensual yeah and I think that this book does not at all I think it does a very good job 
of do, having explicit consent, enthusiastic consent, even the part where they, they don't talk when they have sex, they, there is consent. <laughs> I'm nodding slowly and emphatically. Yes. So there's, there's a part, they're hooking up in the library, and he's like, basically, he's like, I'd really like to go down on you. And she's like, I kind of would prefer not. And I thought he was going to be like, no, just, I thought he was going to try to persuade her and be like, no, no, no. Like, let me see. You're going to love it. The way we talked about Cam. So Cam did this in Mind Till Midnight. He was like, look, yeah. let me just try it. I think you'll like it. If you don't, I'll stop. But he doesn't. He actually doesn't push and he doesn't do it. He does not go down on her in that scene, um, which I was kind of surprised at. I was actually very surprised. And then later they hook up again and she's like, okay, I've been thinking about it. I think I'd like you to do that now. Yes. And he's like, okay, you convinced me. So I, I really liked it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really, really like Wes and Phoebe. And by extension of really liking their dynamic, really like their sex scenes. Mm -hmm. I know we say all the time, if you give us a couple we like, we can look past everything else. Unfortunately, I think there's just a little too much everything else in this book. Yeah. And there's a little too much. Sebastian. There's I too mean, much Sebastian in this book. I'll just say Meg that. say that. <laughs> I know. I can't believe I said it. There's just, there's too much of a lot of things, including moralizing that we didn't really love. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I will, if you just cut this down, honestly, to a novella about Weston Phoebe without West being quite so missish about his own past, I probably would be obsessed with it. If, oh my gosh, if this, yes, if this was a novella where, and, and if we broke it up a little bit, like they meet at the wedding, they start to get along. He realizes that he was the bully and he apologizes for her as she leaves. And later they meet up at another family reunion and they take it, they go in the library for estate management and third base. <laughs> and then, then she's management like, and third base is my memoir title. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> then, <laughs> and then she's like, why don't you come to my estate and teach me how to run my business? And he does. And then they get it on. And then like the last scene is they get married. Well, they can even do the like telling off the previous, not warden, executor. Yes. Of the estate. Like I'm fine with that remaining the plot. You just don't need to go to the other like weird ends. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Like, I, I think we fixed it, Meg. We, we, we retconned it just for us. Like, I recommend this book because I like Phoebe and Wes, but, like, be prepared for some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I recommend this book. Be prepared for some toxic masculinity and a lot of Sebastian, which <laughs> I don't always put together, but I think Lane's like, uh, duh. <laughs> Where one goes, the other shall follow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet, Goodreads slash Plot Trists, or Instagram at Plot Trists.